Okay, time for a pop quiz. How many mountains are there in the world? Any guesses? Turns out there are 1,187,049 peaks that have names, and even more if you count the ones that don't have names. If you're anything like me, you probably like to know what mountains you're looking at when you're out on an adventure. But a lot of times, it's kind of hard to figure it out, because hiking maps usually only show the immediate area you're in. Lucky for us, there's an app out there that can help. It's called Peak Visor. Peak Visor is one of our sponsors for this episode. Their app provides mountain names, elevation, distance, and a ton of extra information on more than a million summits all over the world. The way it works is that wherever you're standing, you just open up the app and it'll provide you with a panoramic picture of what you're seeing with all the peaks labeled. Check out Peak Visor in the App Store. You just might love it. Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Growing up in suburban LA, Devin Feifantau didn't have much access to the outdoors. His family didn't take him camping or backpacking, but he knew his classmates did things like that. He saw outdoorsy people on TV, and he wanted in on it. He felt this draw to the outdoors. As he got older and was able to spend more time outside, nature became his happy place. Growing up gay and, and being in the closet, there was always a sense of um, not belonging. You know, um, nature doesn't discriminate. Nature doesn't judge. And so even though everybody else is judging us and judging, you know, ourselves, um, but that's, that's definitely like a, an opportunity where we could go and escape. And so I think um, the more I was, time I was able to spend outside, the happier I felt. Fast forward to the present. Devin is now a filmmaker living in Portland, Oregon. His new film is called Who's on Top? And it's about members of the LGBTQ community who attempt to climb Mount Hood. The film follows four climbers in their quest to summit the iconic mountain. It dives deep into their personal stories and the literal and metaphorical mountains they face. Every class, there was the anxiety of, okay, I've got to get on the bus. Got to get through the bus ride. Got to get between the bus and, and class. I got to get through first period. Oh, third period's safe because it's just my friends and nobody wants to take that class. Lunch is safe because we can go sit in the corner. Being constantly hyper aware and having this constant fear of, are you going to get hit? Are you going to get spit on? I got spit on every day. I was five years old in 1962 when I realized that something just wasn't quite right in my world. The whole world saw this little cute little boy with a big smile, but I deeply knew that I was actually a little girl inside. The day before the 4th of July, I was painting a mural on Alberta Street. Two men walked past me while I was painting and made a couple remarks. They were like, nice job, you know, or something like that. And two hours later, the same two men come back and 
they're like staggering and red faced at this point and reeked of alcohol, they started just saying all of these inappropriate racial slurs to me. And I felt very unsafe and uncomfortable and I'm trying not to engage with them. And so as I'm in the process of packing up my things, I get knocked over onto the sidewalk. His whole body slammed into mine. I immediately got up and they were both laughing. It was very frightening and I didn't want to actually go back to work on my mural for like a month after that because I was afraid. As you can tell from the clips I just played, the film gets personal. It doesn't sugarcoat the hard stuff. But at its heart, it's not a film about victimization. It's a film about strength and courage and honesty and resilience. It's a film that lets you inside the lives of four nuanced individuals, and it explores their connection to nature and their attempts to challenge stereotypes about gender and sexuality. Filmmaker Devin Feifan Tao joins us today to talk about it. You use Mount Hood as a metaphor uh, in the film, as a metaphor for, for coming out. Can you talk about the similarities, um, you know, in terms of how is coming out similar to climbing a mountain? That's hard. <laughs> coming out's hard. <laughs> well, let me say that. For some people, coming out is hard. Um, for me, it was really hard. And it took a long time. You know, it's, it's, it's a marathon. You know, it's something you have to keep doing. You have to keep trying and you have to <laughs> do it when you're tired um, and, you know, when you don't feel like it. And, and you know, climbing a mountain is very much, much like that. A big part of mountaineering is for sure getting to the top, but um, it's also like summiting is like 0.1% of the entire experience, actually. I mean, you're, you're spending 10, 12 hours climbing um, round trip, and like the summit part is like five, 10 minutes. <laughs> 70 percent of the time, you're you're going up. The 30 percent, you're coming down and being on top of the mountain. You know, at that summit, it's such a small portion. So it's it's really um, puts it into perspective. It's the journey that's really what's most impactful. Um, you know, how did you problem solve when you were so tired or sleepy because of an alpine start? Or, um, or there's something wrong with your equipment? Or if you get lost, geographically or metaphorically, it's, it's very similar. Um, you know, in mountaineering, it's also highly recommended that you do it as part of a team or a group or at, at minimum, a buddy system. And I think that's perfect. That's just like coming out. Um, we, we need our support network. We need um, our family, you know, not necessarily biological, but our, um, our, our modern family, the family we choose to surround ourselves with, right? So without getting too philosophical, it, it seemed 
um, these two parallel stories really went along hand in hand. And luckily, our four amazing cast members, they were willing to, to share their personal stories to help um, make that through line really clear in the film. I didn't know what the struggle would be on the climb. I didn't know if I would have the energy to complete it. That's just like coming out. When you start at the bottom of the mountain, or you start at the bottom of trying to figure out who you are, goodness, it seems like you are summiting the world's tallest mountain. I mean, the climb itself is an enormous metaphor because the first, you know, third to a half of the climb, you're in the dark. It's kind of scary. You don't know what you're doing. Are you queer? Are you not? <laughs> and then once you get up higher, maybe you start to come into yourself. You get, maybe you're starting to come out or you're starting to admit it to yourself or to your loved ones. And then the sun starts to rise and you just see everything that is available in front of you and you see that the summit is so close and that this process has all been worth it. So the four characters, the four climbers that you uh, have in the film are all members of the LGBTQ community, but they come from really different backgrounds and really different walks of life. I mean, you have a trans woman, you have a gay man, you have a lesbian, you have a woman who's bisexual. Um, what's the significance of bringing together these four people for this project? Were you, were you expressly trying to highlight the diversity within the, commu the queer community? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think... Collectively, our community has a little bit more work to do. Um, I mean, I think a lot of us, the different letters, we're trying to advocate on behalf of ourselves um, to gain acceptance and rights and, you know, legal issues with the, the other 90% of the, the world. And, um, which is amazing, but, um, at times we have work to do within our own community. And so um, I wanted that to be a theme of the film and I wanted to have an opportunity to explore that some more. You know, why, why, why are there these internal conflicts? Why is it that my husband and I don't have a lot of lesbian friends? You know, because like as gay people, we like socially, that's just not generally what, who you socialize with historically. So I wanted to um, challenge that, and I wanted to challenge it myself, and how do I change that? mentioned you you brought up this point that um, and and this is something that the cast members talk about in the film um, about their experiences within the queer community um, where you know experiences where they didn't feel entirely seen or accepted or understood 
by their peers. Um, you know, the, uh, you've got the transgender woman who's talking about, um, you know, sort of being looked down upon by lesbians as not being female enough. Or you have the bisexual woman who feels judgment for not being queer enough. Um, why is this a problem? Um, I think it's because we really don't know each other. I mean, besides growing up, you know, gay, like growing up as an immigrant and not speaking the language, you know, when we came to America, like I, I think I saw that racial discrimination or I guess anti-immigrant prejudice, you know, firsthand, right? Um, I mean, the language thing I think is huge culturally, like wearing the right clothes and eating the right food, like not having like weird Chinese food, you know, in your lunchbox. I mean, growing up, at least, you know, at that time in the 80s, uh, it wasn't like, oh my God, like, what is that? I want to try it. That's amazing. Instead, it was like, hey, that's disgusting. And what's wrong with you? And like, why? You know, like it was, it was just so, um, well, first it's childish. Second, it's um, maybe also a function of how people are raised and rather than embracing differences and embracing in learning, uh, approaching things from an intellectual curiosity pr point of view. Instead, it's um, from a judgment and exclusionary and almost like elitist. And so um, I think we as LGBTQ, we suffer from that too. We have work to do within our own community and we can't ask straight people to accept us yet unless we accept each other. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. But first, support for Out There comes from Wild Woman Box. Wild Woman is a monthly subscription box for nature lovers and outdoor women. When you subscribe, you'll get a box in the mail each month filled with gear, food, body products, and inspiration to help you get out and get moving. Wild Woman founder Alexandra DeRussio says the boxes have something for everyone, regardless of your skill level in the outdoors. I think anybody who gets outside is a wild woman, because to me, a wild woman isn't doing the biggest, grandest adventures. It's just a woman who can be in touch with herself and what she wants and saying, I'm going to make time to go outside and to do what I want to do right now. For 15% off your first box, go to wildwomanbox.com and enter the promo code out there at checkout. That's wildwomanbox.com, promo code out there. Support for Out There also comes from Life Handle. Life Handle makes it possible to carry gear or kids or walk your dog, all while keeping your hands free. Life Handle sent some of their products to my colleague Jessica to try out. They sent her a leash for her dog and an over the shoulder strap to connect the leash to. Foxy, come here. Come here. We're going to try this out. Look at it. Foxy's excited about it and licking it. All right, so I have Foxy on it. I honestly really like that it's hands free because I like to carry things in my hands. It allows me to 
kind of move around. If you'd like to make your everyday adventures a little easier and a lot more comfortable, give Life Handle a try. Check it out at mylifehandle.com. That's mylifehandle.com. And now back to our conversation with Devin Fayfontau. So I'm I'm curious, um, you know, being being openly queer in the outdoors is is sometimes sort of honored as almost an act of resistance, you know, taking up space and making your presence known um, is, it's a reminder for non-queer people that, hey, you know, you exist. Um, And it's also sort of a a beacon of encouragement for other queer folks. Um, And so I'm curious, who is your intended audience for this film? Is it is it queer people? Is it straight and cis people? Is it everyone? And what are you hoping people will take away from the, from the film? Great questions. Um, I mean, first and foremost, it's really a feel-good piece for members of the LGBTQ community, right? I think we want, um, we definitely want to create visibility. We want to create, um, we, you know, we want to shine a spotlight on these four amazing people we want to help, you know, the little Ryans, the little Taylors and Shanitas and little Stacys. Like, hey, it's okay. Like, there, there are other people just like you. You know, growing up, I didn't have any gay Asian role models. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I was the only gay person in my immediate family and, and immediate like family circles that I know of. <laughs> Um, I think it would have, I would have had a very different experience had I had, you know, a mentor or like an elder that I could have gone to. Um, but I, I think number one, you know, we want to celebrate the LGBTQ community as a whole. We want to show what we're capable of, um, for sure to ourselves. And then um, the secondary audience is definitely the rest of the world, right? The other 90%, which is mostly straight cis people. Um, and be like, hey, we're here. And like, here, here are some of our stories. Um, and then the, what's the call to action, right? What's the takeaway? Which is, I love that question. And I think, um, us having this conversation is definitely one of the goals, right? How do we get more advocates on our, on our allies to help the LGBTQ community? How do we spark the conversation? How do we, you know, take up space and make cis straight people talk about LGBTQ issues? Like that is the, the pathway and the journey to acceptance and legislative rights and all that stuff, right? One of the things that I think about often as a storyteller is that sometimes the telling of a story can actually shape someone's experience. Um, And I'm curious what, 
what the emotional response was of your your four cast members to making this film. I mean, you have them you you have them go into some really really personal vulnerable stories um during the making of this film. How did that affect them? And how did it affect you? Well, um part of our casting process. So I'm really a narrative filmmaker, so fictional films, where we have this regimented process where, you know, you start with the casting call, you know, hundreds of people, and then you, you keep cutting that back, right? So we did something similar to that, but in, in for the doc. And the last round was an on-camera interview. Um, the, the other rounds, they had to, like, write essay answers to essay questions, right? It's like, it was very rigorous. <laughs> Um, but the last round was an on-camera interview, and that's where we were looking for, do you sure you want to do it? Are you sure you want to talk about your coming out stories? And that's like how, like they were ready. These are the people that were ready. We had some amazing candidates, but some weren't quite ready yet. Emotionally and, and psychologically, they weren't quite ready yet. And we were, you know, we only had a year. <laughs> And uh, we had to train on top of all that too, right? So we couldn't work on the physical training and work on you breaking down all of your psychological and emotional issues simultaneously, right? We could, we had to pick one or the other. And so um, the requirement was like, you had to be pretty far along, you know, so then we could just focus on the physical training. But in terms of the, um, what do we learn from it? I learned that being vulnerable is actually a strength. Taylor mentioned that multiple times when we interviewed her, but um, like, like she used those words, right? Um, but then I didn't quite understand that. So then what I did was I let that sit with me and then I, I watched Stacy and Ryan and Shanita talk about their vulnerabilities. And then I started to realize that they started to, after they would do it, they, they felt a sense of pride and accomplishment and courage that they're now um, owning this thing that happened. And rather than running away from it, they're putting it out there. Um, they're, they, rather being ashamed, right, which is, you know, being used against us and ourselves, they are using it as, as a form of strength and to show, hey, I overcame this obstacle. I, um, you know, I was called names or I was whatever, right? Whatever the, the, um, the obstacles were. And I went through it and it was hard, but this is what I learned. And I wanna share with you and I want you to be able to take that away and leverage that courage. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like that's such a, a mind-blowing way to look at it. You know, in the Asian culture, that's definitely, that was very new to me, still is. Um, you know, 6,000 years of fables and history, like there's no stories about vulnerable, vulnerability and empathy or compassion it's always about duty and 
sacrifice. <laughs> and so here, here I was, you know, it was like a master class on life. It was a master class on how to be like human. <laughs> would you like to see members of the LGBTQ community take in the coming years? Perhaps to, to you know, to heal some of these divisions within the community or, or whatever. My call to action for members of the LGBTQ community is to continue to do work within our own community, right? Within ourselves and hang out, go get coffee with a trans person, go get, you know, go on a hike with a lesbian person or before you call the senator, like, call your neighbor or your friend or your, your coworker who is LGBTQ and, you know, learn about them. Well, and I was going to ask, too, but I feel like your answer may be very similar. Or maybe not. I don't want to assume. But how can I be a better ally? Um, Will, I think you're, you're doing it, Right. Um, you're using your platform to amplify untold stories and, and underrepresented voices. Um, the fact that you're asking means a lot, you know, like you're already doing stuff and you want to do more. I think that's amazing. I want you to tell your other, you know, straight cis friends, like, Hey, I just had this provocative conversation with this gay filmmaker and made me think about something and like how what are you doing to advocate for LGBTQ people right so you don't have to you don't have to march in a pride parade you don't have to necessarily give money to HRC or whatever right I think you help in a number of different ways um, by having conversations with LGBTQ people by having conversations with straight cis people and ask them how do how are they navigating using pronouns in everyday conversation? Like commiserate on how like it's so hard to remember people's pronouns. You know, we as LGBTQ people are trying to normalize ourselves with cis straight people. So if the other ninety percent, if you guys started to normalizing us, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, that I, that's. That's what I want you to do, you collectively to do, right? That's how you could help us. Devin Feifon Tao is a filmmaker living in Portland, Oregon. His new documentary is called Who's on Top? We have a link to the film at our website, outtherepodcast.com, and I'm also putting that link in the show notes. Special thanks to Forrest Wood and Cecily Moran for editorial assistance on this episode. A couple of announcements before you go. First of all, spring is a time for rejuvenation and reflection. And it can also be a time for new beginnings. 
My colleague Kara Schaefer asked out there team members about the things that are bringing us joy, the ways we're experiencing growth at the moment, and things we wish more people knew about. She's compiled some of the more poignant answers into a blog post, and I have to say, it's very inspiring and comforting. You can check it out at outtherepodcast.com. Just click on the blog tab. Also, some lovely news. Out There is featured on Stitcher's list of indie podcast picks. That kind of recognition is a big deal for small shows like us. So a big thank you to the folks at Stitcher for including us. And finally, tune into our next episode for a story about what happens when a through hike that you had been really looking forward to turns out to be pretty miserable. That story is coming up on June 3rd. Support for Out There comes from Peak Visor. Have you ever found yourself on top of a mountain, looking out at a gorgeous view, and wondering to yourself which peaks you're seeing? It happens to me a lot. If this is the case for you, too, Peak Visor can help. When you open up their app, it'll figure out where you are, and then it'll show you a panorama of what you're looking at, with all the peaks labeled. In addition to mountain names, it'll also show you elevation, distance, and a bunch of extra information on more than a million summits all over the world. Plus, they have intricate 3D maps that can be super helpful for planning your hikes. If you want your own personal mountain guide, check out Peak Visor in the App Store. You just might love it. If you're new to Out There, check out the Best of Out There playlist. This is a collection of some of our favorite episodes of all time, and it's a great introduction to the range of stories we do on the show. You can find Best of Out There on Spotify and at our website, outtherepodcast.com. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our audience growth director is Sheba Joseph. Jessica Taylor is our advertising manager. Kara Schaefer is our print content coordinator. Our interns are Forrest Wood and Cecily Moran. Our ambassadors are Tiffany Duong, Ashley White, and Stacia Bennett. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. We'll see you in two weeks.